How to be successful in training your volunteers. All this and more on youth and culture. So this week, we get to talk about something that's extremely crucial, extremely important in your ministry. Uh, It's been important in my ministry. It's been something that um, I've struggled with over the years, that I've neglected over the years, but it's such a vital part of youth ministry, and that is training volunteers. And I was, I'm really excited by, about this week's uh, interview as I got to and unpack this of strategies of training volunteers. But before we get into that, let's listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor, it's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Covenize, and start protecting your home today. Hey guys, I am super excited about uh, this week's episode uh, that I got to interview Scott Magdalene. So uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, in the interview, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, about volunteer training. And Clint, I don't know about you, but I have always struggled with volunteer training. Is that something that you struggle with as well? All the time. It's one of the most difficult things to train volunteers because you can't get them together or they don't want to listen or they don't think they need to know what you're talking about. It's such a struggle. It, it, it is the same thing I struggle with. It's just trying to get people together one at one time training um, even if I did it a year in advance, had all of my meetings scheduled of, of which month, what day, uh, it seems like people f- either keep forgetting, even though I provide the information or feel like it's not a need for them, how they, they may think they've been in ministry or, or been serving in church for a long time and don't feel a need for it. Uh, they don't show up. And they don't communicate that to me. So I don't usually don't find out to the day of that they're not going to be there. But it's always been a struggle for me to find uh, volunteers uh, to actually train who are willing to go to volunteer training. Uh, it's always been a, been a struggle. Uh, so one thing that, um, and again, we talked a little bit uh, with Scott about this, is one thing that I'm moving towards is is online, trying to do online uh, training because I feel like that my leaders can do it on their own time when they're available to do it. Um, there, all the excuses of oh, I can't do it on this day 
kind of goes out the window because uh, you can do it anytime you're available. And when uh, the when the uh, training online training I'm um, using, I won't mention the name here. Uh, but one thing I'm using is it's it's only the video training is only like 15 minutes long. So it's very very short, very very easy um, to use. And so to me, that's just a route I'm going to. I feel like that's more that would be more efficient um, in training my volunteers. What do you think, Clint? What do you? Well, becomes a volunteer. We're still doing the old school method of getting people together and, and talking and doing that. But like you said, you could schedule it a year out and people won't show up. Even if you offer steak and lobster, you know, they're, they're not going to show up for some reason. Um, but definitely the trend I'm seeing throughout all of the people I know that are doing uh youth pastor, they're doing online and the, uh, the ease it is for the volunteers to learn on their own pace, it just makes the thing so much easier uh, for me. No, absolutely. Uh, so guys, those of you who are listening, uh, I want you to really pay attention uh, to what Scott has to say about volunteer training. He had some phenomenal insight how we can be more efficient in training our volunteers. So stay tuned for this week's episode. Hey guys, I'm very excited today to have the opportunity to get to talk to uh, Scott McDowell. Is that I pronounce your name? I'm gonna make sure I get that correct. Way off. Super. I'm just kidding. Way no, off. Not really. No, it's Magdalene. So you just had the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, people get my name mixed up all the time, and mine's to me is a little easy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it seems like it's it'd be too hard. <laughs> It's not too hard, but you'll be, you'll be surprised, especially when you go to, I uh, live in the South and you go to some restaurants and, and you, you ask for your last name, give your last name and they give, they call it a Sebastine or something <laughs> weird. And I'm like, no, so I always give my first name because always people mispronounce uh, my name down here. It's just part of being in the South. They got that deep Southern drawl accent and mispronouncing my name, but it's okay. It's all good. Uh, well, Scott, um, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today and get to talk to about a, a very important subject, uh, get talked about a volunteer and volunteer training. Uh, but before we get into that, how about you introduce yourself a little bit, um, uh, your journey uh, in ministry and kind of your role uh, currently at uh, ServeHQ? Okay, cool. So I uh, was... I'll go all the way back. Um, I was saved at 12 and called to the ministry at 16. Um, went to Bible school in West Florida at the Bible, uh, the Baptist College of Florida. And uh, then did some seminary work uh, while I started some businesses because I was curious about that. My family is very entrepreneurial, so I did that for a little bit. Um, and then at the, also at that same time, I was um, serving in a church, uh, church plant here in my hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. That was going well. And the two things kind of mixed, the, my technology, entrepreneurialism, and uh, my call to ministry mixed. And I was I had the chance to work at Life Church up in Oklahoma for a few years on their digital missions team uh, as a product manager responsible for 
um, like church online and church metrics. And then the main product or the main thing after uh, the first year or so, I really just focused on the YouVersion Bible app and uh, building out mobile apps for, for people to, to read the Bible. Did that for a few years. Um, and some things went kind of haywire in my life. And so I stepped away from Life Church and went back into um, technology and started, uh, became uh, a Ruby Rails developer and went back into web development while I was serving at church um, here in Jacksonville at a couple of different churches at different times as sort of a, a part time helper uh, on staff as like an executive pastor type of person. But they're too small to pay, you know, the church is too small. So really just helping out with organizational stuff. Um, and it was at one of those churches, the, the, really the last church I served at, um, that I realized there was a need for, uh, a more efficient way or better way to be able to train people on the skills of ministry, train volunteers mainly on the skills of ministry, um, uh, without, um, well, I had a few pr- challenges with it. So my church was in an area that was really geographically spread out. And so getting people to come for a midweek evening was really impossible because they'd have to fight traffic to get there. Um, and you know, it's in that situation, it was over in half an hour for every single person. I mean, very few people live near the church, um, on a weekend, on a weeknight. And then during the, on a weekend, uh, most of our, if we're a beach town. So most of our folks were, were off on the beach somewhere. So it was really difficult to get a consistent, um, showing of people at, at meetings to just to get them trained up on, on what we're trying to do with the church. So um, being a technologist and having some development skills um, and having that problem, I just built myself a little online learning platform, a learning tool that used YouTube videos and WooFoo forms, or maybe it was Google forms. I forget exactly what worked, which one worked, but it was essentially an online form with some videos and it worked great. My team, I would record some videos at my desk with my webcam, um, edit them and make them, you know, tight and sharp and then upload them to YouTube with a private, you know, private link. And my team loved it. The team, all the teams loved it. They were able to, you know, get the training, get the knowledge they needed to for Sunday mornings to be ready for, to serve on Sunday mornings. And they didn't have to show up to more training meetings. So we got to what, you know, it went from less than half of my teams were ever kind of up to speed on ministry to the point where everybody is up to speed and nobody had to come to a meeting and they all loved it. So, um, over time, more, more of my pastor friends wanted to use it and it uh, kind of became a, a thing and I had to start charging for it. And then I had to quit ministry jobs so I could just serve churches with this software. And then I had to hire some other people to help and kind of grew from there. But that's where, and at the time it was called Trained Up. And now we, we just earlier this year, we rebranded as Serve HQ as we extend out beyond just training. We're going to work, we're working in some other areas as well. That's absolutely. I do have to say that, uh, and I will probably get into this here in just a little bit down uh, in a little bit as well. But I do have to say, probably, I would say for most youth youth leaders out there, or leaders, ministry leaders in general, getting people together and under one roof for training is extremely difficult. Um, so I, I totally see the I see the value of have moving training more of an online basis, uh, just the convenience factor of kind of doing training uh, on your own time rather than trying to get everyone together. Uh, I do see the absolutely see the value in that. Uh, one question I have for you is training volunteers in ministry essential for a healthy ministry, uh, and 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 why or why not would that be the case? Yeah, well, you know, my answer is going to be yes to that, but um, but I think everybody agrees that some kind of training is essential. In fact, it's a biblical mandate to equip the saints for the work of ministry. 
that's not uh, that's a non-negotiable. I think what most people have done, most ministry leaders have done, is they've recognized that it's near impossible to get people to come to a training meeting. And so what they do is they kind of fall back on a couple of things. They do like a once a year big event training meeting, and then they're like trying to like slip in some training with it, right? So they'll have like a nice meal and they'll do a lot of appreciation stuff and have like a, f- a lot of fun and games. And then they'll also have like a half an hour of some training to get everybody up to speed. Um, and that's not a bad tactic. I mean, it, it works. It's a little expensive, but it works. Um, you still have people that miss it because of scheduling events, but at, at the very least you're giving people a really good reason to come because they think they're going to have some fun and they have some fun. Um, the, uh, the problem is that you, you know, 30 minutes once a year is really not enough when it comes to safety policies, when it comes to curriculum updates, when it comes to um, interaction with students, especially in student ministry, all the changes that happen on a month to month or quarter to quarter basis in student ministry, keeping up with all of that is um, difficult. And so they'll, you know, do like a once a year meeting and they'll, they'll fill in the gaps throughout the rest of the year with emails and you know, drop some you know, vital information in emails. But we all know that nobody reads email, especially when it's a group email sent to a bunch of people. Those open rates on emails, um, if you're really good at it, you'll get maybe 20 to 25% open rate on an email to a group of people. Um, but most people aren't, you know, copywriters and aren't thinking about the best subject line that will, will drive the most open rate. And so people just end up with, you know, an unread email in most inboxes. Um, so uh, the training is important, is vital, is biblical mandate level um, uh, thing to do in ministry, but most don't do it really well because it's, it's really difficult. And, can sometimes feel like it gets in the way of other things in ministry. So, yeah, I don't think that most people are doing it well. Um, people could do it better, but the answer is yes. It's an, it's vital. <laughs> uh, no, I absolutely agree. And it's something that even in my own context, own ministry, own ministry, it's been very difficult uh, for me to find ways to uh, uh, to train and get people together and go through that training. It's been very, very difficult in the years I've been here and try to figure out exactly how to do it, the best way to go about it, be more, most efficient with it. Um, so absolutely. So what are some strategies do you think uh, would be uh, more effective in training uh, volunteers? Um, well, the, there's a couple of strategies we've seen that have been really effective. Um, of course, we because we are in this volunteer training space and we work with hundreds of ministries, we have some insight into it, you know, a, a lot of different ways that churches are doing it. Uh, and, and I'll just be very frank, the simplest and most effective way that we've seen um, is churches that mix online training, some sort of, of online ac- accessible training that's year round um, with uh, in-person meetings. So those in-person meetings aren't bad. And those in-person meetings typically take two forms. They take a, usually the form of an annual um, uh, a thank, like a thank you meeting. That's like a thank you and games and fun fellowship. Um, and then a little bit of training update on what's going on in ministry for the next year. Um, also catch as catch can or, or ad hoc meetings on Sunday mornings with the teams that show up. The problem with Sunday morning meetings is that, or Saturday night or whatever your services are, is that your whole team's not there. It's only a portion of your team. And so, Whoever's not showing up that morning, whoever's not scheduled, um, or whoever just kind of happened to miss that morning isn't going to get that information. So that's good, but it's not the best. And then you know, mixing that with a tool like Trained Up, where they can provide training uh, year-round. And really, what I've found also is that the churches that will put the effort into really good onboarding training, getting new volunteers spun up quickly, um, those people will have less of a training burden on as they go. 
um, because you can you can cover a lot of stuff in that onboarding training because your volunteers are more motivated to complete the training because they're like, okay, well, this is an expectation. I just signed up for this team and and Scott, you know, expects me to complete this training. Um, so you'll you'll find that it's much easier to train and get full complete training for new volunteers versus volunteers that have been with you for a while. Volunteers that have been around for a while tend to feel like they don't maybe don't need new training or maybe they are so familiar with you that they don't have that level of like uh, motivation to go complete training because, you know, it's just Scott and he'll tell me on Sunday, you know, he'll remind me on Sunday, so I don't need to go watch that thing. Um, so onboarding training is really important. Uh, the uh, annual meeting, doing that really well and inserting a little bit of training into that as well as doing your Sunday morning uh, reminders, I should say. Maybe not training, but Sunday morning reminders for your team. Those are some some effective strategies to, to make it work. Yeah, the kind of the kind of brings into the next thing I want to ask you is, is how do you get volunteers to have a desire to grow in their ministry? And the reason why I asked this question because I find it hard um, sometimes to kind of to have leaders being motivated to learn and motivated to grow and understand that um, just because you've been in uh, this position for years doesn't necessarily mean you're an expert in that position, there's always room to grow. Uh, so how do you get to volunteers? Do you think, uh, to have a desire to want to grow in their ministry? Well, I would, um, the, the, the most success I've had with it, getting that motivation high is tying the training to something relevant, um, or something, um, uh, when I say relevant, I mean something that is happening now that is going to personally affect them or could potentially in the very near future affect them. So like, for example, um, if, a um, Let's say a news article comes out about increased suicide rates among teens in America over the last 10 years or something. Um, and you want to be able to provide some training to your team uh, about how to talk to and what to do with a teen who expresses suicidal thoughts. That's really important, especially in youth ministry is youth will, um, you know, will confess or confide in an adult. An adult needs to know what to do with that. And so that adult needs, to, needs training around that. Um, tying the training that they need to the to the problem at hand, and 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 making sure your 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 volunteers understand that it will happen. They will get a conversation with a with a youth, and the youth is saying, "I don't want to be here anymore." Um, they need to that will spur them and motivate them to get the proper training to know what to do in those situations. So the best thing for me, uh, I can talk about a couple others, but the absolute best thing is making that training relevant and not just kind of this is our policy manual or this is something you know, I want you to know it's something you got to make it sure that they understand that it's something they need to know to be able to do their job well. Uh, now, now when, it, when it comes to something they need to know, would you kind of market that or inform them ahead of time and kind of the direction that you're going in your meeting? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Um, that's a, it's a, a good way to put that. Um, so if you're going to be having a meeting, um, I would tease the meeting with, this is the situation. Here's what we're going to be talking about. And here's why you need to know this information. Um, and I do that in a, a couple of emails ahead of time, as well as some in-person announcements to your team um, if you're having a meeting. If you are going to be putting that stuff in an online training, which uh, I really think as much as you can possibly put into online training, you should do for a few reasons. I can talk about that in a minute. Um, but if you're putting in online training, then the the same thing needs to happen. But instead of, of course, calling them to or scheduling a meeting, you should just be linking to that training so they can do that as soon as they as soon as they have the opportunity. Um, Instead of uh, um, instead of just saying come to the come to the church building or you know show up at this particular time, you can just kind of continually remind them and, and provide the link for them to complete it. 
Yeah, what what I found of valuable in, in my context, and uh, again, every 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 church context is different because um, uh, you're dealing with a different culture, uh, with the community, with the church culture, all that combined. But w- one thing that's that's worked well in, in my context when it comes to training and and getting getting leaders motivated to learn is the just revisiting the vision. Uh, of of our ministry, why what we do and why we do it, and and also vision for the next year, vision for the next month, and break it down in baby steps and goals uh, we have as a group, and I, and I find that that is um, also very valuable when it, uh, in my context of uh, motivating and having drive to learn and to and constantly be a, a learner in their position and understand that. There's so much more to learn uh, and to be effective because ultimately youth ministry, specifically youth, youth ministry, is constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Uh, youth culture changes. The rule of thumb, I've heard many, many different things, but the rule of thumb I've heard is typically about every three to five years, uh, youth culture is changing. Social media changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what their watches changes, fashion changes constantly, just all these things in youth culture, it's constantly changing. And, and so you can never say that you have arrived in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what worked five, 10 years ago in ministry doesn't necessarily work now. Um, so I find that having the vision and, and educating them, constantly in a state of educating them about what's going on in culture, uh, also our vision as a church, vision as ministry, goals that we're trying to set for each year, each month, in my context, at least has helped uh, motivate uh, my leaders to have a desire to learn, a desire to grow. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, vision is, is so important. The The best vision casting I've ever seen is has was uh, by a pastor who, uh, and I guess he probably honed this skill, but he, he did it so well that I didn't feel like he was forcing it. Every time he would cast a vision, every time he would talk about where the church is going or what the ministry, you know, why the ministry exists, he would always tie it to a story of life change. And so like if it, let's say we had we had a few values, one of those values was always point people to Christ. And he told a story about this, you know, they were doing this um, tug of war game or whatever uh, in a youth ministry. And the and, and he said, one of our values is we always point people to Christ. And so at the beginning and at the end of the tug of war, he talked about he gave it a simple explanation of who Jesus is. and and the role of Jesus in our life. And of course he related it to tug of war. He's, he's creative like that. But he said that just out of tug of war, he was able to have conversations with, um, with students afterward about that application of how tug of war applies to our relationship with Christ. And so casting that vision of always tying things or always pointing things to Christ, but also tying it to a story of conversation he had after a, some, you know, a silly thing like tug of war helped the entire group to understand the not just that it is an, a value or not just that it is part of our vision for our ministry, but also how it, how it kind of where the rubber meets the road or how it actually applies to or how an example of, a, of that vision or that value being um, you know, made real in real people's lives. So vision is really important. It, it's, it's absolutely vital. You're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you made that point when it comes to tying into to life change, because that's also what I've found to be an effective and, and motivation in, and in training is uh, tying uh, examples into something that's personal. Uh, just just for instance, I, I shared this even uh, 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 in this podcast previously. I just uh, I had someone just written last week, a teenager that uh, graduated on my small group in my early 20s. 
haven't seen him in 10 years. Uh, thought I uh, would never see him again. Uh, one of these kids I just thought was a lost cause. Um, that he graduated out, uh, was partying, was going down the deep end, uh, did what I could, invested in him, but nothing was working. And, and out, of the, out of the blue, he contacts me last week uh, and just tells me and just thanks me for investing in him uh, that he, in 2012, gave his life to Christ and contributes that decision off of me and a few other people investing in him uh, when he was a teenager. Uh, but so you, so using stories like that and, and relating it to ministry of how being a small group leader or an adult leader in student ministry, how vital and important that is and tie it to a real life story. It's to me, it's, it's so effective and motivating, uh, your, your leaders and, 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 and tying that to vision and tying that to training. So I find those different factors exactly, you're exactly right, works very well in motivating leaders to understand the importance of training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And man, does it take a long time for some fruit to <laughs> to show itself? <laughs> 10 years later, that 10 years later, that kid's texting you and say, um, how much you meant to him. It's a long turnaround time. <laughs> It is, and that's why that's why I tell my leaders is, and I, I constantly communicate this is that the, your your impact, your eternal impact, and your fruit of what you're doing, it may be seen a year from now, three months now from now, maybe seen three years, four years, ten years, or never seen at all. But the fact is, is what you're doing is making a difference, whether you visually see it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's making a difference in a student's life. Um, well, last question I want to ask you and kind of tie into is, is what, what is one piece of advice that you would give, uh, youth leaders in their ministry, uh, in relation to training volunteers? Um, if I was to restrict it to one piece of advice, I would say your volunteers, uh, are really need to be up to speed on, um, appropriate and safe uh, interactions with students. Um, one of the things we hear a lot about, and of course, like I said, we talk to a lot of ministry leaders through chat and through meetings and, um, and one of the things we hear a lot is that they're afraid of something happening, some, some volunteer making a bad decision or, or, you know, getting in their flesh and making a poor decision with a child or with a youth and how much that can not just damage that youth or that child, of course, because that's, you know, a lifetime of, of issues for that person, but also damage the whole rest of the community and the church. There's so much trust. I mean, a ton of trust put on uh, youth and children volunteers who are spending time alone, a lot of times alone, or at least in not all all the time, you know, su- fully supervised situations with youth and volunteer or youth and children. Um, that there's just a ton of trust and a ton of risk around that whole thing. Um, so my piece of advice would be train plenty of training on appropriate interactions with with youth and children. Uh, plenty of training on policies for safety, so so policies pre- for preventing abuse or for preventing situations where they could uh, something could be said about them, um, and also in my policy of always keep track of all communication with any youth. Um, if those volunteers are allowed to have direct communication with youth, always keep tra- track of and provide you know, have evidence for the communication you have with them, just as a way of providing protection. So. Uh, and, and I know that's not like the the most vision oriented or most 
um, like uh, life changing thing for, for ministry volunteers. But I guarantee that if they don't keep themselves safe, if they don't follow proper procedures, if they're not interacting appropriately with students, it will be life changing, but not in a good way. And we've seen just from our perspective, we've seen dozens and dozens of churches have this have this type of issue um, that uh, have come to us to say, what do you, what do you have? You know, we, we've been hit with this. Now, what do you have that you, know, you can help us with some some proper safety training for the rest of our volunteers that are still serving? So that's my one thing. I know it's not uh, peppy or whatever, but it's the it's the most important one that I've seen lately. No, I have to agree with you. I think it's the most underlooked uh, part of train, training in most churches, and at least in most churches I've been exposed to in my experience. Um, I just don't think a lot of people are thinking that way right now. Uh, and even in my own practices, what I do personally uh, in the realms of protecting myself in this area, and this is the same thing when I do the training for my leaders, is that every type of communication I do with a, uh, specifically a student from the opposite sex, uh, my wife is always tagged in my text. Uh, so my wife ha- has access to it. Uh, same thing with emails, either someone at work is attached to it or whatnot. Uh, just basic things about not being alone with a child, uh, with a teen period, uh, just for protections. It's more on the lines of protecting them uh, than protecting the student, even though it also is there as well to protect the student, but it's really aligned to protect the leader. Uh, because I, even, even from a practical standpoint, I had a good friend, uh, he was a teacher, a very good educator, uh, and he was he was a wrestling coach, and he just made a bad mistake, and a girl asked him to take him home, and he kept saying no. Then finally, he ended up saying yes, and he, he was on the he was on the phone the entire time with his fiance at the time, ended up taking the girl home, and then the girl made an accusation that uh, he tried to uh, try to to sexually molest her. Uh, just a basic accusation, uh, and there was no evidence of it. And he, he basically had to go from a year to a year and a half going in and out of court to get that settled, and it completely almost ruined his life from, based off of one poor decision of taking a girl home and being alone with it, with someone with opposite sex. So it's, it's absolutely essential in ministry because ministry is no different. It takes one just one accusation. Uh, to completely ruin your ministry, completely uh, ruin your family. It just takes one little accusation. That's where it's very important to protect yourself in that realm as well. So I, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. That's probably uh, not. It's not as peppy. It's not. It's not as happy. But it's it's one of the top uh, things I believe truly believe that needs to be the volunteers need to be trained on. Yeah, absolutely. And and if for those youth pastors who are listening or um, pastors who are listening. Um, if you're not doing that kind of training, putting those safety policies in place and holding people to it, not just like, hey, here's the policy manual. It's got the stuff to cover. Just read it. But holding people to it, um, you're putting your entire ministry and the entire community, the church community at risk, at massive risk, because a background check is just not good enough. I mean, uh, that only catches people who have gone caught before. Um, so you're, a background check's not going to, I mean, I've seen too many youth pastors who are like, yeah, we do background checks on all of our volunteers before they can start. Like, yeah, that's great, but there's like just that only catches the people who have gotten caught before, which is not everybody, not even close to everybody. Um, so and then there's a flip side of that is, like you said, accusations where you put yourself in in situations where you're not above reproach, where it's easy to make an accusation and have no evidence, no defense against it. So you have no way of defending yourself. So 
just huge risk to minister, personal ministry to the church at large and also to the children that you're working with. You know, they're, they're at risk in those situations as well. Uh, well, Scott, um, if somebody wanted to get connected with you to either talk a little bit more about volunteer training or just get connected with you with uh, ServeHQ and the resources that you provide, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, best way is ServeHQ.church. Uh, is our website, ServeHQ.church. Um, and the reason that's the best way is because that uh, uh, seven days a week we have a chat bot, not a chat bot, a little chat tool in the bottom right-hand corner that you see all over the place, but we are actually there ready to chat seven days a week. I can't say if you're going to chat us in at like two o'clock in the morning Eastern time, we're going to be, you know, immediately responding, but all of those go to us and all of us, you know, if it's during the day, we'll respond in real time. And we have, there's no limits on what you can talk to us about. Most people talk to us about a tool, of course, but man, I have had so many, like dozens of maybe hundreds of conversations with ministry leaders asking things completely unrelated to our product. And it's, um, a ministry of mine to encourage and to give some advice or give some direction or even just ask some qu- critical questions to help people make good decisions in ministry about how they should lead their ministry. And that applies to not just youth ministry. We talk to people about children's ministry and small groups ministry and preaching ministry and music ministry and every uh, every different aspect of ministry in the church. Again, I'm like, I'm happy to speak with everybody. I'm not an expert on all areas of ministry. And most of the time I don't give advice um, but what I do like to do is ask some critical questions about motivation and what they're going for, what are their goals in ministry, and um, what are some of the roadblocks. And so we have lots of great conversations. Get in touch with us on the website, um, and, and you can chat with me, you can chat with Amy, you can chat with Kevin, Jared, anybody on our team. We'd love to chat with you. Well, Scott, I just want to thank you for taking your time and busy day and joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad I got the time to talk to Scott Magdalene about uh, volunteer training, the strategies to be more efficient in training our volunteers. Uh, uh, Volunteer training is hard. It's difficult because all of our volunteers are busy. They have busy lives or involved in other activities. And it's hard sometimes to get them all together for training. Uh, So I'm very thankful for what Scott does and what he does at Serve HQ. And if you're looking for some phenomenal training to train your volunteers, please check out Serve HQ. I'll have uh, information in the show notes of how you can get connected with them and how to better train your volunteers. Now, if you find this content uh, useful and helpful, I would encourage you to uh, leave us a positive view, give us a five-star rating because this makes this podcast more available to others uh, who are trying to find youth ministry material. Uh, Again, I thank you for tuning in and making this a part of your day and stay tuned to next week's episode.